Well, we've been in a series called Victory Over Darkness for some time. Um, let's look at Colossians 1, 9. Not, not done yet for now. Colossians 1, verse 9. <clears throat> it says, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 13 says, He has delivered us, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In the Young's Literal Translation, verse 13 says, Who did rescue us out of the authority of darkness. In the Amplified Classic, verse 13 says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. In the CEV version, it says, God rescued us from the dark power of Satan. And then we, it says that we've been rescued. It says that we've been delivered out of the control and dominion of darkness. He's rescued out of the, us out of the authority of darkness, out of the power of darkness, out of the dark power of Satan. So this is what God has done through Jesus. This is reality. This is not somebody's idea. This is not somebody's philosophy. This is the Bible. We have been delivered. This is truth. We've been spending time on different parts of this, breaking this out. And I encourage you, if you didn't hear the earlier messages, go back, watch them online, uh, listen to the podcast. It's it's all there for you to be able to listen to. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So God, through Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness, but, and we spent some time uh, on different aspects of this, but here it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. That means He can't devour everybody. We've been delivered from the power of darkness, but he's still going to try. Satan's still going to try to take you out. And here it says, be sober, be vigilant. In the CEV, it says, be on guard and stay awake. Be on your guard and stay awake. It means you are conscious. You don't just put it on coast and just go forward and, well, you know, I've learned a few things. I I know that 
God has delivered me from the power of darkness, so we're just going to go on and just believe everything's going to be okay all the time. And Satan won't ever touch us. He's going to try. It says it right here. This is the Bible. This is not, this is not you know, Jim Preston's philosophy. Now, it, the Bible says the devil's going to try to, to get to you. Now, we have to know our rights and privileges. Otherwise, we're, we're going to yield to him. When you start to assert your authority in Christ, stand up. These verses we've been talking about over these weeks and months, when we understand that, that we have authority over darkness, when you stand up and start exerting and exercising that authority, you are marked. You, 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 when you start taking a ground from the enemy, you become a target. Satan will oppose you and try to steal it from you. That's not a bad confession. You don't need, it doesn't matter what you confess. Doesn't matter what you believe. The Bible says he's going to try. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I mean, it doesn't mean he can just take you out. You don't have to be scared of him. You just have to know he's going to try. So don't fall off your chair when he tries. Go, wait, I thought, I, I thought Jesus, you know, through, through Jesus, I, I'm delivered. So you have to know that. See, by you reacting like that or a person reacting like that, that's showing, wait a minute, I thought this wasn't supposed to happen. That's walking by sight. And that's stealing from what the Word said. That's when we have to push back and say, no, no, I have the right. But he's going to push to see if you believe that because he's not going to just lay, lay down and let you run over his territory. He's not going to do that. He's going to push back. He's going to try to see if he can take you out. He will attack you, and he's going to attempt to get you to back down. That's his goal. Back off. Take it back. You stand up and say, this is mine. Some, some condition will come in. Something. I'm not trying to get you in fear. The Word's not talking about that. This is what the Word says. It's not me. It's the Word of God says that these things will happen. How do we respond? If something pushes into us, we got to stand up and believe God's Word and push back because Satan is trying to get you to back off so he can devour you. And if you successfully resist Satan's attacks in, in one area, he's going to come against you in another area. You all wait? He will. This is, this is, we need to be aware of our enemy. He's defeated. But he's going to try to convince you he's not defeated. What do you do when he tries to convince you that he's not defeated? We need to go and act on the Word of God continually and be diligent. Notice 1 Peter, it said there, be sober, be vigilant, or be on guard and stay awake. 
It didn't say do it for a week and then chill. It didn't say, well, you successfully resisted. Now it's all good. The rest of your life you won't have anything. You ever heard of a counterattack or... You can successfully resist one thing and let your guard down. And now he tries to hit you over here. And if you resist that attack, now he's a, he's a defeated foe. If you know he's a defeated foe, every time he, try, he gets to you, you're like, no, no, no. No, but what if you think all I have to do is I resisted that, oh, glad I'm that over, and he hits you here, and you don't resist. Even though he's defeated, even though you just, you had to go like this, you don't. Now it hits you. And what, what he's trying to get you to, to think and say is, I thought, I thought I did this. What's this going on? And what is that? That's fear. What is that? That is, you're acting like he has authority. That's how he gains a foothold by people yielding to him and believing that they're going to be defeated. He'll try to hit you in another, another area. We have to know our authority and resist him. Let's look at Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in who? The Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Didn't say be strong because you know everything about everything. And you got this. If you're going to say, I got this, you better be thinking I'm relying on God. If you're just like, well, I got this, well... Uh, you can fail. You can mess up. You got to watch it. Well, I know. I know the Bible. I, oh, don't go down that, don't go down that path. You're already stepping onto his territory. I, I know it, so uh, no, I know the word, so I'm going to resist you in the power of the Lord. I'm going to be strong in him. The only reason you have any power is because of what Jesus did. Don't even start thinking it's you. That's a surefire way to get defeated. Satan tries to get you to think, you don't need God, you're good. It won't, it won't sound like that. It'd be like, well, you know, I'm good. I, I know that stuff. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to go to church. It's okay. <laughs> Set up. You're getting teed up. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now let's read through this. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, referring to evil spirits. All these things are referring to supernatural entities, uh, demonic and evil spirits. Verse 13, there, excuse me, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. 
having done all to stand. This armor, it say, let's go back to verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God. It just got done saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Now verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we need to stand against something. It's not just automatic. And verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we need, we need to put on the armor of God and keep it on. And what this means is these truths... We need to keep them in front of us. If we believers, as believers, take advantage of the spiritual armor that's been provided for us, the enemy cannot defeat us. Cannot. The various parts of the armor represent spiritual truths that belong to each believer. Now let's look at uh, the next verse, Ephesians 6.14. Let's read 13 and go into 14. It says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So again, these various parts of armor represent spiritual truths that belong to each believer. Now Satan is going to probe. He's going to probe your life. And he's going to try to probe your defenses looking for a way to defeat you. He doesn't just hit you once and back off and say, well, I tried. So that's why we need these areas, and we're going to go over these briefly. I mean, you could spend tons of time on these things. That's not our purpose. It's in light of, um, you know, the context we've been teaching on. And we just need to understand that these are spiritual truths, and, and, and that we need to be conscious. If we let things drop then that's a way for Satan to gain a foothold and defeat us. And he will. He's playing for keeps. See, sometimes we act like it's just a cosmic game. We act like, you know, it's a club. We're, we're in church, and I know some things. But, you know, Satan would, he's not actually going to attack me or whatever. I know these things so that it's like we're, we're in this parallel little reality next to the real reality that we just believe this stuff but then there's real life and if I believe this stuff then nothing can can hit me and when so, if something did push on me well I don't know that's not supposed to happen over in this you know other reality we have it, no it all goes together this is reality and we need to understand that Satan is real and he's playing for keeps and you don't have to be scared of him he wants you to be scared of him but you don't not got to stick your, your head in the sand either and act like he doesn't exist. That's not going to work. So you're not scared of him, but you're not, you, you know, if he tries something, you need to be like, oh, no, I'm, I'm cutting you off there. Oh, you're trying that. But if you're just like, it doesn't matter, and you leave gaps, 
and you let it go, then, then he can hit you. Even though he has no authority, he doesn't have the power, but we yield to him. And so let's look over these things. Verse 14 says, uh, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The belt of truth, or what, what it means when our waist is girded with truth, is a clear under, represents a clear understanding of the Word of God. And like a soldier's belt, it, it, it holds the rest of the armor in place. So, the, way, the truth, this represents, the belt of truth represents a clear understanding of God's Word. John 17, 17, and we spent some time, it wasn't in this series, but earlier, just a few weeks ago, we, we, we talked about how the truth will set you free. Spent um, a bunch of time on that and went through a lot of Scripture. But we're just, that's not our purpose this morning. Otherwise, we're going to preach six sermons this morning with all the different areas. John 17, 17, though, says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. God's word is not subjective. It is solid. It's firm. You... you you don't get one result one time and a different result another time if we're walking according to the Word. His Word is solid, trustworthy. And it will, if we don't have a clear understanding of God's Word, if we don't reverence the Word, if we don't think the Word is solid, true, then we'll be subject to getting pushed off. If we get into where we think it's just our ideas, you know, we start drifting from the Word, but get into philosophies or teaching that aren't firmly based on the Word of God, we will be subject to attacks of Satan because we've opened ourselves up to it. We start believing the wrong thing. If you believe the wrong thing, you're going to act wrong. The Word is the standard. That's why we have to make that prominent in our life. We have to be aware of the Word. We have to come back to the Word, and we have to let it be the umpire in our life. In other words, we cannot start believing other things, and when we see Scripture that contradicts you know, something that, that we maybe we're tempted to believe, we can't reject the Word and say, well, I, I want to believe this other thing anyway. We have to let the Word be the umpire, saying, no, you know what, I might have been tempted to believe something else, but this is what the Word says, so I'm coming back to the Word. See, that's defense. But if Satan, see, Satan does this all the time, tries to get people to believe something other than the Word. And you know what, guys, this stuff goes around. It's cyclical. Different, different lies that Satan tells over time, they come back in different forms. <laughs> He's going to try every... 30 years or so, 20, 30, 40 years, he's, he brings around the same stuff, maybe repackaged, but it's, it's not firmly based on the Word of God. It looks new and bright and shiny, and people take it and run with it, and they open themselves up to destruction. We need to be solidly based on the Word of God. John 16, 13 says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak, you on, speak to you on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Talking about the Spirit of God. He will always line up with the Word. Always. Put the Word first, the Spirit, being led by the Spirit second. You can't go wrong then, because if somebody says, the Spirit told me, but it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it is not the Spirit of God. See, if you just start going, well, the Spirit told me, the Spirit told me, the Spirit told me, and leave the Word behind, that's a bad formula. What the Spirit says will always line up with what God has said in His Word. And anything that ever is spoken to you, and if it said this is, you know, the Spirit of God speaking to you, it will always bear witness with what you have inside. You are not led by prophecy, you are led by your spirit and the word of God. In other words, some word to you is not supposed to tell you what to do, it's supposed to confirm what you have and what's going on. If something comes and say, oh, this is God speaking to you, but you're like, I don't, it doesn't bear witness at all with what's going on, what? And you're confused, throw it out. Just throw it away. If God needs to get it, you know, if there's something in your understanding, it can come back. But if it's new to you, and you don't have any, it doesn't, it doesn't bear witness, don't, don't go on that. God's going to lead you by His Spirit, which is going to bear witness with the Word, always. Some people start getting off in, in, into the weeds because they're, they're believing a bunch of things that aren't solidly grounded on the Word, and they're not necessarily for their life, and now they, they're confused. They can get confused because the Word, because they got off on, you know, away from the Word. And you see that everywhere. If Satan will try the same stuff over and over. 2 Timothy 4.3, got to keep moving through these because uh, we got a lot to cover. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You see this all the time. People turn away from the truth. Well, we're talking about the armor of God. God's word's the truth. People want to listen to something else that's not the truth, but that opens the way for Satan to work. So we got to just be careful in our own lives. We're making the Word first place. We spend time in the Word, get to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, a voice, not audible voice, but the way He speaks to you on the inside. He'll hit the same uh, impression and the same inward uh, leading that you get when you're reading the Word is going to be the same way He leads you in the affairs of life. That's how to get familiar. Next, if we look at uh, Ephesians 6.14, and look at the next part of that. You have to bounce back to that. I didn't break it out for you. So if you bow, I'm going to refer to Ephesians uh, 6.14 in that area for the different um, scriptures. So if you can bounce back up there, and then we'll have to keep bouncing back. Uh, it says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness, there's a twofold application. 
Jesus is our righteousness as believers. And we obey His word. We do what He said. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. In him. So talking about the breastplate of righteousness, we are the righteousness of God. That's a piece of armor. We need to know that our righteousness, our right standing with God is because of what Jesus did, number one. That we are the righteousness of God in Him. Satan will try to get you off and strike to condemn you if you don't know firmly why you have an audience with God, why you're in the family of God, why you can stand on the promises. It's because you are the righteousness of God in God, in, through Jesus. Then, then He will defeat you. This is a place, if you don't have this solid, He's going to take you out. Even though you have authority, even though you have the ability through Jesus, if He can convince you you don't because you did something wrong, and you don't understand how to get it right, then you will be defeated. He can stop you in your tracks there. Keep you from, you, you know, you put everything down, you stop. Because you're not convinced you have authority. You're not convinced you could wield the authority. Because after all, you've messed up. You have to know, number one, it's through Jesus. Philippians 3, 9 and 10 says, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That's the true righteousness of God is from God by faith. Believing on Jesus, you're being made the righteousness of God. Now a second part to this, and we touched on this on Wednesday. If you haven't you know, been listening to our Wednesday messages, it's... Uh, series called Abounding in Love, and we were talking about this, this exact thing, about walking in love and how Satan will try to take advantage of you by trying to get you out of love. Now, God, um, Jesus is our righteousness, and we need to know that, but we also need to know that what we do matters, and you can give a foothold to Satan by what we do. Now, some people, it's... People get confused on that. Think it's all Jesus, doesn't matter what I do, or it's all me. I have to work hard and I can't mess up ever. No, Jesus has made you right. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You give Satan a foothold, he's going to kick the door down and come in. You want to walk according to the word so that you can walk in everything Jesus has provided for you. If you give, if you yield to the devil, and then try to resist the devil, you're already yielding to him. And we've talked a, a, a lot about this. We're not going to recap everything, but look at a couple of scriptures. Romans 13.10, yeah, 13, says, uh, Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Our New Testament command is to walk in love. And, and again, we spent a lot of time on Wednesday. Go back and listen to that message. Uh, we, we covered a lot more ground. But you don't have to worry about following a bunch of rules and regulations, if you're walking in love, and we've talked a lot about what love is and what it's not, 
if you'll be, walk in love and yield to love, which is God, then you're giving Satan no place, no traction to get in your life. Again, see, it wouldn't matter. I'll give you an example. Uh, a a born-again Christian, they can have the, all the authority that God has provided through them through Jesus. They can be righteous through Jesus, but they can yield to the wrong thing. You know, go hold up a bank. They've just yielded to Satan can work in their life now. Do you see that? I mean, it, they are, they're, they're standing there holding up the teller. They're righteous through Jesus, but they're doing something that's really stupid, just gave Satan a foothold. See, it's both things. You just, you know, people, kids will run with the wrong crowd and start running with people that, that aren't good influences. They're opening the door for things to happen in their life. Then people say, well, why did this happen? Back up. What foothold did they give? And then people can get into the opposite ditch. Say, oh, I just, you know, it's not, it can't be all up to me. It's not up to you to be right with God, but what we do matters. And we can yield. So we want to keep that strong and secure and stable. Uh, you know, that part of the armor. Look real quick, Ephesians 4, verse 26. says, be angry. We covered this on Wednesday, too. Be, be angry and do not sin. So you can be angry and not sin. Anger is not bad. Being angry is not bad. The motion of anger. You can feel angry and be justified, but it's what you do with it. It says, be, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. A lot of, of giving place to the devil happens when individuals are angry. We've all done it. We've all messed up. We've all said stuff we regret. We've all done stuff. Maybe, you know, wasn't the right thing. Satan gains a foothold. Talking about armor, talking about how he's trying to probe. If, if he, you know, he, he's got, you're in this area and, you know, there, let's say there's a financial uh, deal you're, you're dealing with and you're believing God for it and believing that He's going to provide for you, and you're, you're standing firm against that, and you come through, and the money's there, and you're just like, ah. And then all of a sudden something happens where, you know, you're, you're tempted to get in strife with a family member, could be your spouse, could be somebody else, and now that starts, if you yield to that, now all of a sudden He's, he's pushing over here. You know what He'll do? gets you to get angry, gets you, you can't do it, he'll try to get you to, to, to react. You react, you lose your temper, you say something, now he'll come back with condemnation and try to get, now he's trying to hit in that area. Gets you to back off the authority. Well, I just did this, but I messed up here, and when's it ever going to, you know, and just get you, if he can't get you the first one, get you the second one. He'll try. So we need to, this is an area, get you, provoke you. So we need to believe God and thank God that He is our righteousness and that's how we act. See, the, 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 one of the goals there is even though you still have the authority through Jesus, when you yield and get out of love, your heart will condemn you. And now Satan will try to, he'll, he'll push on you, condemn you, and now even though you have the authority, you, you don't, your faith is weak and you'll back off. 
Again, he's getting you to back off. That's why we need to keep that armor strong. Let's look at Ephesians 6.15. Go back to Ephesians 6.15 and we'll read the next part. It says, Having shod your feet... having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod your, feet, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Is peace through God, or peace with God through Jesus in a faithful ministry of proclaiming the word of God? Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, we all, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and rejoice in the, the hope of the glory of God. We've been just, if you go back to verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our, our Lord Jesus Christ. See, peace with God only comes through Jesus. And you need to know that you have peace with Him. That you're right with Him. It, over and over in the, the intros to um, the different letters, you'll see this. Go to Romans 1.7. It says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that over and over. Peace. You know, uh, when the angel was talking about Jesus coming, you know, it's peace toward men. Peace with God. Goodwill toward men. That's why Jesus came. We need to know that. And then also Romans 10 verse 14. We're to take that truth because it talks about your feet, and it refers to this over and over, about your feet being beautiful feet, those that take the gospel. So you're to, you're to know what God has said about this, but you're to take that to other people and share the gospel, the good news with other people. Romans 10 verse 14 says, uh, they have, um, How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they not believe? In him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they not hear without a preacher? And how shall they not how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring the glad tidings, or bring glad tidings of good things. So doing what God has called us to do in this area, sharing the gospel of peace, but knowing that peace that comes through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The next verse. Verse 16, Ephesians 6, uh, 16. Ephesians 6, 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, the shield of faith. The shield of faith is a covering for the entire body, big shield. They use that. 
It represents our complete safety under the blood of Christ, where no, no power of the enemy can penetrate. Faith, faith in what? It's faith in the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. We need to know what God has said, and then we defend what, what God has done through Jesus by what He said. If we know what He said, then Satan comes with an attack. We go back and say, oh no, this is what God's provided. He hits it this way. Oh no, this is what, this, I mean, this covers every area. The, the more we can know what God has said, I mean, in reality, everything we're talking about here is the truth. And it's building faith in what God has said so we can defend. If you don't know, I mean, if we didn't know anything we we're talking about today, and, and you have a challenge comes in, and there's millions of Christians in this boat. They, if they don't understand they have authority, if they don't understand they can push back, then their reaction may be, I guess that's just life, and I guess we have to deal with it, and they just let it hit them. Faith will say, no, this is what God's Word says, and see, that's a defense. It'll quench every, far, every uh, dart of the enemy. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 says, so we are always confident in knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. See, stuff may be hitting in different areas, but you walk by faith, not by what you see. See, that's a shield. If Satan can get you to look and go by what you see, then get you to yield to him. Say, oh, well, I guess this doesn't work. I guess I misunderstood. I guess I don't have authority. I guess it doesn't work for me. That's the goal. But we walk by faith, not by sight. Everybody say faith, not by sight. Say, I walk by faith, not by sight, not by what I see, not by what I feel, only by what I believe. What is that? By what you believe, it's faith. That's how we walk. And, and when, the, when the attacks are coming, we need to know what the Word of God said. That's when we need to, that's a defense. Oh no, God has said this. I'm not going to yield to that attack. No, God's Word says. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. So faith is our evidence and our defense even when we don't see it. Even when we don't see what God's Word promises and has stated, we, we believe it anyway. We stand on it anyway. That's... That's our defense. Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says, it says, And take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, it's referred to the hope of salvation in 1 Thessalonians. We'll look at that in a moment. The hope of salvation is the only helmet able to protect the head when people are turning from the truth. When we believe that through Jesus, we have a hope. 
We are saved through Him, and we have a future regardless of what we see. That protects you. Otherwise, people will say, well, some, they can go, what's the use? And, they, and these go together. You know, these are different parts. But if people don't have that hope, they can easily be moved off the truth. They can easily be duped. They can easily be deceived. And that's what you see a lot of now. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 says, let us, But let us who are uh, of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation, the expectation of salvation. In uh, 1 Peter 1, uh, 1 verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. That hope, it's expectation. It's not, see, hope, uh, the way we use it in our um, common language is like, I hope this happens, I wish it happened, would happen. Like, you know, you're, you're rooting for a certain team, oh, I hope they win. That's, that's not what the Bible is talking about here. When you see hope in the Bible, it will help you if you replace it by expect, expectation. That is firm, you, you fully expect that to happen. And it's tied very closely with faith. You expect because you believe something. And so it says, we've been begotten to a living hope. Expectation. That regardless of what's going on, we're with God. Regardless of what go is going on, our eternity, our end is to be with Him forever. How does that help you in your fight? Regardless of how bad things get, I know my future. And it's good. So regardless, I win. See, that will gird you up in the middle of the battle. If you have that firmly on your head, that expectation, that hope of salvation, then Satan will tell you, oh, it's all over for you. That's never true for the Christian. Think about it. He's trying to get you to look at the natural. He's trying to get you to look at a specific area and say, oh, and if this goes wrong, and if that, your life is just a mess, it's all over. And if you can look at him and say, oh, no, I know where I'm going to be. For you, it's going to be all over. I know what your end's going to be. You're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. I'm going to be spending eternity with Jesus. Well, that can change your perspective on the current situation. That can cause you close that and say, oh no, I'm fighting. I know where I'm going, and this is not the end. And so now you're strong in that area. You close that chink. But if he starts to get you, you know, looking at the wrong thing and looking at, oh, I just don't have any hope, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a chink in our armor. If we yield to those kind of thoughts, we need to gird that up so we're. We know, wait a minute, no, I know my end, I know where I'm going, so now let's deal with this current situation. But even if everything went wrong, still going to win. Yep. Think about it. Your end, regardless of what's going to be here, 
Not to say we can't win. We, we can win, but this is perspective. Your end is to be with God in heaven where there is no pain, where there is no death, there's no destruction. There are people there right now. That's our end. Well, that can calm you right here. You're going to be spending eternity with Him, and where, the one that you're going to spend eternity with has already given you authority to deal with the nonsense here on this earth, so now you can step back and go, and while I'm here, we're not going out on the bottom. We're going out on top. And that gives you strength. That's a way to deflect. See, he'll try to get you in that area. And, oh, I'm just everything. You... No. Helmet on. <laughs> no, we're going over. Shut up. And now, see, you're pushing back. You had authority, but you were, you were taking the attack. Now, let's look at the final one. Ephesians 6, verse 17. We'll read the beginning of that and then the end. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It says what the sword of the Spirit is. It's the Word of God. And it can, a sword can be used defensively, but it's the only weapon that's used offensively as well. And that means, I mean, it's telling us very clearly here, the Word of God can be used on the offense. What does that mean? You take the Word of God, you declare what, not just in a defensive manner, not just in the faith, the shield of faith, but you're taking ground saying, this is what will happen. Even when it doesn't look like anything's happening, there might be no attack in that area. You're just declaring what will happen. And you fight back with that word. You, you stand on that word. You declare God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It says it's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's an offensive weapon. It will cut through confusion. Confusion tries to descend on your mind. And in your situation, darkness tries to descend. You can cut through that with the Word of God. Say, no, the Word of God says... I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. You get up like a mantra you could say in the morning. Oh, I thank God I have a sound mind. Well, you're losing your mind. You didn't think, no, I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. My mind is clear. I have the mind of Christ. You declare it. You use it like a weapon, like a sword. Mark 11, verse 22 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says. Well, that lines up with everything else we've read here. The Word of God is a sword. The Word of God... Uh, is meant to use, be used just like a physical sword, and that is offensively to do and take what God has ordained on this earth. We say it. Don't let it just be in your mind. Say it. If, if you're alone and a thought comes, you know, that's negative, say, counter it out loud. 
You know, if you're around people, counter it under your breath. They don't have to know you're talking. You can just be going through the day declaring things, and you may have to grit your teeth and say, see, Satan's, this is, we're talking about war. He's trying to hit you, trying to get you to accept the truth, and if you say it out loud, oh, no, I'm going over. No, my body is strong. No, my mind is right. No, my children will be fine. No, the finances will be there. No, we're getting new accounts. Whatever it is, you find what the Word of God says, and then you speak it out. That makes it alive. You're hearing it. It's confirming it in your heart. And you declaring it is exercising your authority in this realm. You have a voice. We have a voice. We can speak it and put a stake in the ground for what is ours. So all these together, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. You don't have to get real technical. The reason I'm flying over this, and we're not going into it exhaustively. If you want to do an exhaustive study, that, that's something you can do. But the, the point, you don't have to get legalistic about anything. The point is these different truths operating in your life for real, practically speaking, in, in, as we are dealing with situations, as we're dealing with the attacks of the enemy, these are the areas we want to just check up on. It's that simple. Am I believing what the Word of God says? You know, am I, am I letting, am I looking at the right thing? Am I uh, speaking the word? Am I saying what God says? Or am I saying something else? Am I actually, you know, knocking myself up and down with my sword? No, speak the word. Say the right thing. These are areas to check up on so that we are knowing Satan's going to try to get at us and we're just checking. And we're, we're expecting those things, not in a bad way, if they happen not expecting bad, but if Satan comes at you, you're not falling off your chair. You're like, okay, and, and you deal with it according to the Word. And what do you do tomorrow? You deal with it according to the Word. And what do you do next week? Deal with it according to the Word. And the third week you go, oh my gosh, I can't take it anymore. No, you deal with it according to the Word. And Satan can't win. Because God's Word's true, and He's given us what we need to be victorious. Amen.